0: What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, Jack Vita, back here in action on Monday, March 21st, 2022. The first weekend of the NCAA tournament is in the books. We're going to talk about it today. We're going to recap it. We got a lot of great content coming soon. So make sure you guys are all subscribed to the Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. You can follow me on social media at Jack Vita Show on Twitter. Instagram and Facebook. Uh, We got a lot coming out with MLB baseball on the horizon. Going to be doing some MLB preview stuff over the next few weeks. It's the best time of year in sports and I have a fantastic guest here joining me. We had talked with him last year um, around this time of year. We talked during the tournament. He's a busy man so we get him uh, at this time. Very thankful to have him here. He spent close to I don't know the exact number, 20-ish years with the Valparaiso men's basketball program. How many How many years, Coach Gore? Uh, it'll be 20 in about my, uh, a couple months. So. Wow. Okay. That's, uh, that's big time. So he's been with four different head coaches, uh, all three Drew members of the Drew family, the Drew franchise at Valpo, Bryce Drew, Homer Drew, and Scott Drew. Of course, Scott over at Baylor. Um, Tough weekend for the Bears this weekend. Uh, So he's been around college basketball for a very long time, and now he's working alongside head coach Matt Loddick with Valpo Basketball. And we say hello to him on this Monday. Welcome back to the show, Coach Gore. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Jack. I I wish I was uh, still playing right now, but all (laughs) in all,
1: doing pretty well um, and excited to talk to you today.
0: Yeah, I, it's always fun catching up with you. And you know, I was thinking about this. I was like, wow, I've known Coach Gore for almost seven years now. That's the years are flying by. Yeah, yeah. I knew you were a little kid. So <laughs> uh, now now I look at you. So <laughs> Yeah, I was twenty one then, I'll be twenty eight this summer. Times moving by. I feel like my twenties, this has been the fastest, uh like the first ten years of my life, a little slow, teen years, and now I'm in my twenties and I don't know. We'll see. When I get into my 30s, is it going to get even faster then?
1: It it, it just keeps speeding up, man. So (laughs) just enjoy every day.
0: Yeah. So, of course, of course, uh, Coach Gore and I, we've been close for years. Uh, Great man of faith and obviously knows a lot about the game of basketball. Now, Coach, I got to ask you, first of all, how much did you watch from this past weekend? Um, I
1: actually watched quite a bit. Um, I was pretty, I mean, I, I, I love basketball. So um, it being on um, and not being part of it's a little bit of sweet, but love watching it. Love, you know, watching it to learn. Uh, Once again, these are the teams have been the most successful. So I love watching how they how they compete, how they run offense, defense and, you know, try to learn something from the games.
0: Yeah. So since you're learning stuff from the games, has that changed the way that you watch the sport over the years? Like, is it harder to be a fan and just enjoy it? Um, I,
1: not, nah, not really. Um, you just look at, you know, you're still, you know, you have, you have friends in the business, uh, that you're close to. So you're still cheering for their games. You just, instead of, sometimes you just won't follow the ball as much as you follow everything else that's going on. So, um, but not this saying that I'm anybody any smarter than anybody else. It's just, you know, what my eyes gravitate to uh, might be a little different than, than someone else, Um, but maybe not. I don't know.
0: Now, Coach, I got to be honest uh, to the listeners. Unfortunately, I barely got to see anything Thursday and Friday. I was in Florida for the past three weeks. For those who are watching, you guys can see that I'm back in my studio now. Uh, But we were at Disney World Tuesday and Wednesday, and then I did the long drive all by myself with my dog as the rest of my family flew home. I drove Thursday and Friday, so I didn't get to watch a whole lot of games, unfortunately, those days, but I maxed out Saturday and Sunday.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, Thursday and Friday was pretty good, also. So, um, you know, it's, I think most people believe those are the best two days in sports. Um, yep. And I missed um, them. <laughs> yeah. So, but um, there's nothing wrong with getting a good, good road trip like that in by yourself. Um, I've done it a few times. So,
0: I like road trips. I just wanted to do what I, I wanted to make my family happy. So I had to sacrifice this time. But I did get to see the probably the, I don't know, there's so many great games from the weekend. I guess I would, a, I'll ask you in a second what your, the, the big highlights were for you. But I did get to see the big highlight from Thursday. I saw the end of that St. Peter's, Kentucky game. Uh, game of the year? It was incredible.
1: You know, um, it was an amazing game. I thought they, uh, St. Peter's, did an amazing job uh, in that game. Just how they how they guarded Kentucky the whole game. Um, you know, they they made some big shots um, and, uh, and and some big plays, and they stuck together when Kentucky made runs at them. And it, it was a big time game. Is it the game of the year? I don't know. There are so many good games. Um, in this tournament and throughout this year, I think that's what we're getting is so many close games uh, with the the dynamics of what college basketball is now. Um, it's just every game's close. So, um, you know, my uh, the game I liked the most was the, uh, the Baylor, North Carolina game. Um, I think anytime a team comes back from that far down and the teams are competing at such a high level like they were and then even you know, obviously, I, want, I wanted Baylor to win because you know of Scott and all my connections with Baylor. Um, but the way North Carolina was, st- you know, they they give up a huge lead and then they still recover. I think that's that's you know, it just it's just magnitudes on how both teams really competed and executed at different times in the game and never gave up. And you know, you got two Hall of Fame coaches in the stands watching their teams too. I just I thought that game was. Uh, really for me it was it was really exciting to watch and but there were so many i mean so many good games um and uh it it was an exciting weekend for everybody everybody watching games
0: yeah that game was if you want to talk about coaching that one was a fascinating game to watch from that perspective because there was like i would say there was good on both sides you bring up north Carolina being able to bounce back and win that game in overtime. Cause I thought they were, I thought they were done. They were, they were up 25. Uh, one of the top scorers gets ejected with about 12 minutes left. And what really I thought was fascinating was how they handled the press. And it looked like, I don't know if they had had a lot of experience handling the press this year, but it didn't show if that was the case, because we saw I, I guess I'm curious what your perspective is. Do you like to, if someone's pressing you, coach, do you like to make them pay for the press and get an easy bucket with the advantage? Or do you like to, in that situation where they were just sitting on the ball, running 30 seconds out on the clock, but then not putting up a good shot?
1: You know, I I, I think they wanted to score too. Um, I thought Baylor did an amazing job pressing and then not giving up any layups. I mean, they did a good job of, of, of making a 94 feet of defense and just and getting steals in the full court in the half court, they just made it really aggressive and Baylor's that's how they play defense. Um, they don't play full court like that. They, 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 they pressure for half court mostly, but they extended it. And um, you know, I thought, you know, North Carolina might've got a little tentative, but it's once again, they're going against a really good team and when really good teams are coming after you, you know, they got up by 25 too. You know, I don't think, like, did anybody think in 25 minutes that North Carolina would beat Baylor by, by 25? Well, Baylor beat them by 25 and 15 minutes. So it's just like two different. It's not like North Carolina, Baylor didn't know how to play basketball that just North Carolina was better. And then it isn't like North Carolina forgot just North Baylor was better. And so, um, I thought it was good adjustments by both coaches and, 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 and the players made a ton of players uh, plays. The point guard from North Carolina was amazing the whole game. Um, And then and and Baylor had moments for each of their guys that really stepped up in that in that comeback to make big defensive and offensive plays.
0: Do you think that's also a product of when you go all the way one year, then the next year you have to keep going? Is it tough to just keep catching as many breaks as and keep the train rolling on the tracks going into the next year after you go the entire distance to a national championship?
1: Well, you know, I can't speak on it. I wish I could. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I can speak. I win conference championships and have to come back. But unfortunately, I've never never uh, been able to do the national championship yet. Um, that's obviously Valpo 2023, baby. I, it's always a goal, and it's always what we're striving for. Every coach in the country is striving for it, you know, and only one team gets to do it out of sixty you know, some teams. And so um, I believe what it is is when you have such a great team that does go all the way, um, you you've created a culture. You've created a, you you have young guys that are going to step up the next year, or recruits that are going to step up the next year. But you know Baylor lost five star four starters, um, and of those four starters, it was a one through four, and they had unbelie they have unbelievable players come in that, that that for them to go as long as they did this year and be so good this year, it's amazing on the job that uh, Coach Drew and their staff did, and their players came in to compete. They brought in some amazing freshmen to go along with some really good returners and um, they kept the defensive level up, but even though they guarded a little different with different type players. Um, so it, you know, it, is it a disappointment that you lose in the second round of the tournament after winning a national championship? I think every program in the country is going to say, no, we'll take that. We'll, we'll, we'll win a national championship and then lose in the second round. Would we want to win two in a row? Without a doubt. I know, I know uh, coach Drew is, is, is still, you know, finding ways to, to to improve today from that game, and he will. Um, but uh, amazing job by them, and 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 you see the history of of the tournament, how it's been so, since Florida, no one's got out of the second round, um, I don't think, or out of the Sweet Sixteen since the national championship game. So, um, so it's just tough because you got to replace really good players, and um, and then you have to have the same uh, focus, intensity, and luck a little bit in the tournament to to go long, go go a far away. So um, that's why what Gonzaga is doing is, I I mean, for them to make it to like seven straight sweet 16s um, is amazing. I mean, it's just, it's, it just, that's, you know, getting breaks and getting good seeds or year after year after years. They're doing an amazing job.
0: So we're down to 16. You mentioned Gonzaga. We have a friend who coaches over there, coach Roger Powell, Jr., um, I'm curious, is that who you are rooting for the most out of these teams remaining, or are there are other teams that you've got some connections to coach?
1: You know, I'm, I'm, yeah, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm wanting my friends and, and Roger to be uh, successful, uh, looking at, you know, those other coaches in the field that I, you know, I'm close with too. And, um, but yeah, no, I, I will watch all the Gonzaga games for sure. Uh, because of coach Powell.
0: Well, continuing along the theme of connections to coaches, obviously, you are very close with Bryce Drew, Scott's brother, who's coaching over at Grand Canyon. And they had a really good year this year, but they just came up short. New Mexico State beat them three times. I did not, I was very impressed with them when I watched that uh, WAC semifinal about a week ago. And the, GCU was down. They brought it It came. It got really close. It's so hard, as you know, coach, to beat the same team three times in a season. And then New Mexico State, led by their point guard, Teddy Allen, uh, who was the WAC player of the year, we see them get into the tournament and they provide that round one upset, which I actually called here on this show. Um, and they were really close again against Arkansas this weekend as well. Did you, were you tuned into New Mexico state over the weekend?
1: You know, I, I, uh, the Arkansas game, I saw more than the Yukon game. Um, and and I, I think the Yukon game, they were playing it another time. And, you know, I, I'm not good at flipping back and forth. That's strength. <laughs> that so um, that's not surprising were, to me. Yeah. They're, they're, they're so talented and and there's so many talented players out there and you know they invest a ton in their program uh at new mexico state so they've been successful you know for a long time and, you know in grand canyons they're doing the same thing they're investing a lot in the program they both both have really well new mexico state doesn't anymore but they both have really you know they have high level coaches and um you know uh in in grand canyon was right there with them all three times um and I think a lot of teams thought UConn could make a run to the final four um, and, and a lot of probably casting. And, and, and from what I saw in that game, New Mexico State kind of handled them the whole game. Um, now, I didn't watch enough of it to to be totally on that. And I did watch the Arkansas, and they just couldn't make a shot. I mean, Arkansas was really playing defense. I mean, I think the half-time score was like 21 to 12 or something like that. Um, and they just couldn't make a shot. I think they made a, a four-point play at the end of the – a half to make it look respectable um, but it was amazing defensive effort on both sides so um, it didn't surprise me they won doesn't I mean um, you know it wouldn't surprise me if Bryce would have beat them and Bryce would have won so yeah um, I mean there's a lot of really talented teams and you know you gotta you gotta you gotta compete all the way through your conference tournament to be able to play in the dance um,
0: yeah yeah And the Aggies earned it, man. I mean, they they won their conference outright in the regular season. They won the conference tournament, got in there. And, yeah, you mentioned UConn. UConn, what I saw with them earlier this year, that was concerning for me. They just didn't look like they closed out games exceptionally well at times when I watched some of those Big East teams play. Um, Is there even a Big East team left in this tournament, by the way?
1: Well, I mean – there's one that's pretty good, isn't it?
0: Yeah, um, there's one.
1: Yeah. Villanova's yeah, there. Yeah, they're pretty good. Providence and, is in too. So they're a couple. Yeah, Providence is. And they pounded Richmond and uh, they had a big win over Sa- South Dakota State, I think, in the first round. And so t- two out of 16 in your league is not, not, yeah. not shabby. I mean, it's, Yeah. Um, unless not, I mean, Creighton had Kansas on the wire. I mean, the big ace is about as good a conference as there is out there. So, um,
0: and I think if Xavier
1: yeah. had gotten in, they would have given a team fits too. They could. I mean, it just depends on which Xavier team showed up. But they could. They <laughs> had they had a lot of talent, and um, they were really you know, some games they were really really good. Um, and I thought I I thought you know I, the Big Twelve is so so loaded. Um, I thought Seton Hall would have a chance, but then. TCU is just really good, and TCU I thought they, they had they should have won that. I mean they had every chance to win the Arizona game. And Arizona, if anybody's watched them, they've they've been as good as they can be. I mean, as good as anybody all year long. And TCU had them on the ropes. So, um, you know, I think that's you know the Big East is amazing conference. All these conferences are good. I, you know, the Valley. It's you know I think there's three four teams in the Valley that could have gotten the tournament and won. Um, it's all about matchups and. And how you do. I mean, I think the Valley had five top 100 teams this year. Um, Last time that was is in 2012. Um, So, you know, um, so it's just a, you know, it's just an amazing league along with, uh, you know, a lot of leagues out there.
0: So you mentioned how many good teams there are across all these leagues. And you've been coaching in this sport for a long time, obviously. And I'm curious, do you feel like this is the smallest amount of a of a discrepancy, or I'm trying to think of the right word for it? Do you feel like this is the most competitive that this, this sport has been in your time of coaching, in terms of there isn't as big a gap between the blue bloods and the mid majors? I, I believe this year has been the, the, the by far um,
1: because there's there's the extra year of players that are able to play so there can be more experience at a lot of different teams within a league and so you can have multiple teams with a you know five to ten players that have been in with their program or or at least been in college for five and six years and so you add that across the board um it's it's a little harder for freshmen uh to beat a team of fifth year guys you know and there's more teams with fifth year guys and it'll continue like that for the next few years Um, and then there's also, I think part of that is, you know, good teams, you know, when good players will leave good programs when they're in good situations. And so that might hurt a team from being really dominant or building something. Um, but then they go get a, you know, then you have to be able to turn and go get, you know, look for players at other programs that, you know, or, you know, the high school player that isn't, should be recruited at a much higher level, but he's not. And so there's, you know, there's just, there's 20% more players available. So, you know, across the board and they're not all at one or two schools. So it makes it harder for high school and junior college kids to get scholarships. It also makes it harder for guys that or the transfer portal to get scholarships. I mean, they're not, you know, I have a main number, only half of them get a scholarship um, or maybe a little more than half, but it ain't like all of them get a scholarship to the division one level. So, um, that creates more parity. It creates more talent. Um, and so it's, it's a new way to navigate.
0: All right. Going back to what you had mentioned that Arizona TCU game, would you have blown the whistle and called a foul on that last TCU possession? You know, I, I watched it on replay and, and,
1: uh, it's a tough one. I mean, uh, I don't know if I would have, I mean, it, the, there was body contact, obvious. Um, and people, I don't know how, like, I, I try not to do it, but it seemed like if if your team lost this in this tournament, the referees were awful. I mean, and, and more than ever before. Like, oh, I had really? people like, complaining about the, the North Carolina Baylor game. Like, these ref, no, no, these referees were in the Final Four last year. Like, they, they were high-level referees, and this is a very physical, aggressive game. And in the tournament, they decided to call a lot more fouls than they've ever called before. Like to me, they're, the the f- amount of fouls called, uh, like Loyola, I, I think they they got called for like 20, 30 fouls, and they're the lowest fouling team in the valley. Other, I think us and them were the two low. Now, do I agree with that in the valley play? Do I think they foul a lot more than they get called? Without a doubt. But I think the tournament, they they called a lot more fouls this year so far than they ever have. And if there's a there's a play where the offense is driving into the defense and the defense has both hands up in the air and not really reaching and it's at the end of the game and it you know, that's a tough one to call um but if i if i'm a tcu fan i'm i i'm upset i'm like yeah if i'm an arizona fan i'm like no there's no foul so if i'm neutral then you gotta look at it as like i can see it both ways and that's that's what i saw i could see it both ways and uh, once again these these guys are extremely good at their job you know i do i agree with all they do in our games and other game not at all do i think they make a mistakes yeah but this is this is not like baseball where it's did he get there before the ball got there or not now there's a lot of judgment in basketball yeah. so it's really hard so um yeah, it's it's a tough one to call is but i i i don't think i i don't I see why the referees didn't you know it wasn't you know I if you know you remember when we were at Lowell a few years and javon Freeman had the ball at half court i thought I thought the, that that might have been a little more foul than that. And no one was really upset about that that much other than Valpo fans. Loyola fans <laughs> thought it was a clean play. So it's just like, whatever. I mean, it's, it depends on what, who you're cheering for. So,
0: um, but yeah. Well, was, I live uh, in a house <laughs> with a TCU grad. My sister, Laura via she graduated oh, yeah, that's like right. in 2021. I still want you guys to call up the Frogs and get a game going because that would be perfect for my sibling rivalry.
1: Yeah, no, I, <laughs> you know, it, it once again, there's 360 teams out there. So um, if we can make that happen. But we, we only get to play basically uh, 11 of them now in the non-conference. So it's going to be hard to hit all of uh and hit up everybody. But TCU is a great pro- program. They have an amazing coach, great
0: location. So um, I'd, I'd be getting to play them sometime. This was the best Jamie Dixon season at TCU, I would say.
1: Yeah. Uh, he's an amazing coach. So uh, he's only, I don't know how long he's been there, but they've been, they've been competitive. And once again, the big 12 is, is, you know, the big 12 is, is the big 12 and it's, it's about as competitive and tough of a league as there is out there. So, um, you know, I, and I thought he, he did an amazing job, but he's been doing an amazing job. You see what, what when he was at Pitt, how good Pitt was and, and um, you know, they just haven't been as good, but once again, it, it, you know a couple of good recruits for for Pitt, and all of a sudden they're good. Um so it's that's just the way it works.
0: Well, I think I like about him so much is he's coaching at his alma mater, and there's just that extra love that I think you can sell when you recruit guys. You say, "Look, I went to the school and I came back. I love it. And that's what i I love his passion for that university.
1: no, I, I agree with that. i I, I think it. When when individuals are connected to your university, and and maybe not that they even played at it, but they were there for a while, and then they they became the head coach there or something like that, it there's a little more invested um, in that. And but you know, and and then the the fan base can they knew them when they weren't just a head coach, you know, they knew him as a as a different role in the program, and um, they can add a lot of juice. I think that's usually a, a wise way to. To make a hire at a university is, you know, sometimes do they have, what's the connection? Do they play? Do they, were they an assistant there? Um, You know, like Chris Beard at Texas. I mean, everybody I know that made a big deal out of that, but he, he was a student manager, student assistant at Texas, you know, that's where he graduated, you know, and then he spent nine years at Texas tech as an assistant for Bob Knight. So I think that's where the passion was for Texas tech. He wanted to make sure that he did everything he could to be successful and win because how competitive he is. But, then he, you know, he chose Texas to go to college over a lot of other schools. I'm sure he, he was thinking about, and you know, to, to have that opportunity to go back is, I think that's a, a pretty big deal. And now, you know, now Texas Tech is 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 rolling. I mean, they're they're good, um, amazing, uh, amazing run they've had so far, and a big time win against Notre Dame. A Notre Dame team that was just playing as well as a team could be, and they played well against Texas Tech. This Texas Tech was was better that game uh by you know three possessions better that's it and and everybody thinks you know that's that's all it was was three possessions but they were three possessions better
0: yeah and by the way tech favored to beat duke this week and that's how good this texas tech team is Mm -hmm.
1: and that wouldn't surprise me they they their defensive style and how they play i love it and they're they get after it and they play so intense now duke does too and notre dame does and all these teams do um, you don't get to this week's team without doing that. But, um, yeah, that I don't think – if that shocked anybody if Texas Tech won, I don't think they've been watching college basketball very much this year. <laughs> and
0: Duke's really good, but just how good Texas Tech is. What surprised you the most from the weekend, Coach?
1: Well, I mean, obviously St. Peter's is the most surprising uh, deal that's going on. And 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 anytime you beat uh, – like, I think a lot of people was like, well, Kentucky, what's wrong with that? Was they just – they played a good – a team that was playing, played well. A team that doesn't average a lot of points, that doesn't – that plays really good defense, scored 85 in a game, hit threes out of – hit tough shots. I mean, they they were just balling. They had everything. They, they they didn't have their cheerleaders or the band at the game. Luckily, they came to the second game. Um But what surprised me is them beating Murray State in the next round. Um I thought that was huge. I thought, you know, because Murray's really – I mean, Murray's very talented, really good. Um
0: they're moving into the neighborhood next year.
1: They are moving into the neighborhood next year. So, uh, amazing coaches and, and program. They've been so good for so long. Um, so, uh, I, I, for St. Peter's to win that second game uh, after beating Kentucky um, and the demeanor that their, that their coach had and their players had, it was really impressive um, to me on a weekend. Not because they're a 15 seed, just how they handled their business. You know, they they – they got after it. They had a lot of passion and fun playing, but they were playing so hard, and it was – you know, it, it wasn't – they weren't letting up because of they were up or that they had this amazing win over Kentucky. They were here to, to win, um, and they had an amazing weekend, and And now they get to to witness how big Big Ten basketball players are. So we'll see how that goes. But um, they're going to – those Big Ten basketball players are going to to chase them around. So we'll see how that game goes. But I, I thought that was pretty – pretty amazing on that and in north carolina let's uh I want to talk to to
0: st peter's real quick i want to add something to that yeah let's go for it all right do you see this fun fact about schools from new jersey in the sweet 16 did you hear about this one no okay this is the first time since 2000 that a team from new jersey made the sweet 16 seton hall was that team in 2000 and their starting point guard was st peter's head coach Chalene Holloway. Uh, that's amazing. That is pretty cool. Yeah, that, and I loved his demeanor and how he talked about,
1: you know, how how he just wanted to play. If you notice the defensively over the year, that they're, they're top thirty defensive team in the country, and so they went on defense. They went on playing extremely aggressive, and and uh you know they they couldn't beat Iona, but they didn't have to play them in the champion in the conference tournament because someone else beat them. And you know who knows like. They hadn't, if they had to play them, we might not even know, we wouldn't know much about St. Peters right now, uh, but we do, and they're in the and, and that's how it works. So,
0: well, I'm going to throw one other thing out here. We got some news about an hour or two ago. Uh, Maryland is grabbing Seton Hall's head coach, Kevin Willard. So now there's an open, uh, head coaching vacancy at Seton Hall. I have to think that Shalene Holloway is going to get an interview after this run ends, you know. Um, that.
1: A, it'd be amazing because he's going home and all that. But I, I hope that no one even brings that up um right now. Cause sorry what those those <laughs> no 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 it's good you should. I'm talking about it, 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 it at St. Peter's and at yeah at Seton Hall. Like let, let the guys at St. Peter's and let let Coach Holloway focus on St. Peter's and do that. And you know, if they they, they don't need to contact him. This week, you know, let him enjoy this process and with those guys, you and me, we can talk about them all we want. But (laughs) you know, uh, in this time, like this is this is a once in a lifetime opportunity for those players at St. Peter's for the school. You know, Um, you know, will they ever be back in the Sweet Sixteen? Who knows? Um, But uh, they are now. And um, as a school that's been to the Sweet Sixteen, it's not easy to get there. No matter what everybody thinks, uh, you know, it's a very few teams. Turn a sweet sixteen appearance into seven in a row like Gonzaga. They're, it. They're the only school that's done it, so it's not like everybody can do that. So um, I hope he gets to enjoy it with his guys, and they get after it. And I hope they, uh, you know, they they play a team that we all know really well in Indiana is Purdue, and uh, see how that goes. So.
0: <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned that about coaches leaving New Mexico State's head coach. He lost on Saturday, and by Sunday morning had a job lined up in Mississippi State. That happened pretty quick.
1: It is, it, and it, you know, it's it's the, um, you know, and and it's 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 I think coaches and players there's a difference between the two. One, you're in college trying to prepare for your professional life, and then one, you're in your professional life. You know, this has come somebody that's that's been at at one school for twenty years and loves it and has chose to be here and uh, just loves it at Valpo. But um, once you would go in your professional life, you are looking for advancements and stuff. like. That. It's different than your college life. Your college life is preparing for your professional life, you know, and, and I think that's where, you know, so for him, you know, that's quick. But, um, you know, I, you know I, I don't know the connections or anything like that, but I, I do know he's a heck of a coach and he knows how to do things. And, and if they target him and knew, he's the guy um then they probably need one good interview in the morning because they they have already reached out to everybody ever involved with him um and knew everything you know everything that happened at Wichita State when he was assistant to Bowling Green as head coach to New Mexico State he was a, a head coach at four JUCOs I believe and so he's got a lot of people that can you know back up what he does and how he operates and he's a Uh, Coach James is a a really amazing coach. So um, he'll do, I think he'll do well at Mississippi State.
0: All right. uh, One last thing on St. (laughs) Peter's. I was going to say that this is why we love the tournament. This is why, I mean, you might have a little bit of a different perspective being a coach and looking at it for the way a coach does. But I think for, for most people, this is just the greatest time of year. I mean, it's my favorite time of the year in sports. We get three weeks of this where, the little mid major underdog team makes the Cinderella story run. I mean, that's what people remember about the tournament. That's what, I mean, if I think about the tournaments that stick out to me, yeah, you can mention a year where, like, I also have an encyclopedic uh, memory and knowledge of a lot of this stuff. But if you mention, like, you know, 2006, I'll tell you, George Mason, they made that run to the Final Four, 2011, VCU. 2018 Loyola Chicago. That's the stuff that people really remember. And this program led by Shalene Holloway, just etched their names in NCAA tournament history. And we know from you coaching at a mid-major, me attending a mid-major. And for those who are just listening to this for the first time, I covered Coach Gore's teams and for uh, two years for school newspaper. When I was at Valpo, I was only there for two years, but I transferred in and I graduated um, so I had a front row seat for all this stuff. And at Valpo, what does everyone talk about? 1998, Sweet 16, Bryce Drew, the shot. And I just tend to find myself wanting as many of these little mid-major teams to have that experience with their fan base because I think it's going to mean more for, let's say, hypothetically, if Chattanooga had beat Illinois uh, on on. Friday, that would have been a, a bigger experience for those fans than Illinois. They're shooting for the sky. You know, they won that game, but no one's going to remember that they won the one first round game. Everyone's going to lo- remember that they lost in the second round. Well, I, you know,
1: the, the idea that um automatic bids should not be part of the tournament um is is one of the dumbest ideas I've ever heard, and I. I I could be I could be the head coach at Duke, and I would think the same thing, because for the simple fact of, uh, let's say who's who would be the a fifteen seed uh, uh, you know name a team that's ranked, um and let's I will do um let's see a team that got out didn't make it let's say Texas A and I know Coach Williams put out a big thing but if Texas A and M would have been the fifteen seed against Kentucky and they'd have won that game would it would everybody really watch that? Would everybody really watch that game as much? The casual fan, no. Texas A&M and Kentucky fans would be watching it, but the casual fan sees they see that score closed, and they're calling there, everybody. Why are you watching this? Are You watching this and that? That would what makes the tournament what it is. Now, you know what? For the most part, when you get to the Sweet Sixteen, the sixteen best teams, or the you know sixteen of the best twenty five teams in the country, or you know at least twelve of the best. 25 teams in the country are there and there's four Cinderella's or three or two or something like that and you know I don't think anybody thought like a lot of people thought like try to p- compare Texas A&M I'm just using them because they're in the news about it to North Carolina right like, they should be in over North Carolina well you know or, or Notre Dame you know um, and these ain't these are powerhouse these ain't these ain't um, mid-majors by any means but um, if the whole tournament was just high majors, then why would we have sixty-four teams? Then that's let's right. just cut it to thirty-two. You know, it's it's kind of like the college football playoff. Check. You know, I, and I'm I'm for eight teams. I think eight teams would be great. But at the end of the day, you're still going to get Alabama and Georgia playing, and and Clemson, and you know, it's just the way it is, right? <laughs> um, so that, that, that's what I think is amazing uh, in this, and it makes it so exciting. Um, to, for the first round, because everybody's looking for that, and and you're rewarding teams that won their league, like they were better than 11, you know, nine or eleven other teams at the end of the year, and they had to play, they had to win three in three days, usually or four in four days, to get to the tournament. So their NCAA tournament actually started the weekend before with them winning three in a row in three days just to get that. So that they they're not in the first round of the tournament; they're in like the fourth round of the tournament. Because <laughs> that's that's what his life is like a mid major, but you know you take a you know a high major, which once again all those coaches are amazing. Uh, they can bow out in the first round of the conference tournament, and not worry about it. Know they're going to get in the tournament. You know St. Peter's had to win every game to get to where they're at, and then they had to win two more two more to get to the Sweet Sixteen. It's just it, it, it's what makes the tournament what it is. So when you hear Jay Billis say that there should be no mid majors in it, I mean, come on, man, watch watch something other than Duke.
0: <laughs> I didn't hear he, him say that. Oh boy, I don't like yeah, that. I,
1: he didn't this year, but he has in the past. Like, yeah,
0: not surprising. You know, it,
1: you, know you know, if you look at Texas A&M, that's a St. Peter's. Why would you know the eye test? You'd never put. Well, no, you would, because that's the beauty of of uh, college basketball. Well,
0: let me ask you this, John uh, John Rothstein. He has been. Uh, banging the drum on this for a little while now, and I love it. I think it's great. He's been saying, We should, if you win your conference, you should not have to play in the first four because we get those now where we had like two 16 teams, or there may have been a couple of those. There are two games where the 16 seeds have to play their way in to be a 16 seed, and they don't get to get the authentic tournament experience. First four is a little different we always have so many bubble teams. Why don't we just have the bubble teams be the only teams that play in? What's, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I, I, I actually like it. I think it's pretty good. Um, um But I, 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 once again, the tournament's so amazing now, like, and and they've made small, wait. Small so correction,
0: here. you like, you like the idea that. Oh you, yeah, I like the idea of it,
1: but, I, but I'm also like it. Would it make it better? I don't know. You know, like, you know, I do. You know, like when certain leagues always play in the in the uh, in the first four, they're winner because they have to play ten games on the road to support their whole athletic department at, in the non-conference. Do I think that's right because they can't just buy wins at home and 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 increase their resume. Um, do I think that's you know no, but that's the reality of, of what we're at. So. Um, no, I, I, I like the idea. I think that'd be pretty cool. I don't. If 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 you win your league, you don't you play on the first day, but then you also get a great opportunity to get, to get a win. You know, in you know, right state, you know, I think they they won their first four game. Right? Um, they probably if they play Arizona the first game, they don't get a win, but they got a win. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, they come
0: in with a little momentum too.
1: Yeah. So and and realistically, a 16 seed beating a one. You know, obviously, it's happened one time. Um, it'll <laughs> be tough happen and again it, someday. Just, they will. We don't know. When. Will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and it, you know, Gonzaga was in a fight until about 10 minutes to go in the game uh, against Georgia state, you know, and, and Georgia state being a 16. seed, if you get any idea where that team comes from and they're uh, them being a 16 team is like, geez, uh, that's, that's, uh, you know, but that's how, how good the tournament is. Um,
0: so I cut you off earlier. You had something else you wanted to add on North Carolina when I asked most surprising outcomes from the weekend. Uh, I'll let you pick that up if you remember your thought. And then yeah, got- no, I Yeah, go ahead. I just know that, you know,
1: North Carolina was a team that everybody because they're North Carolina. You know, they're 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 North Carolina. You don't really have to say a lot more, but everybody was like, "Well, they're not that good" and because they lost to really good teams by a lot of points throughout the year. They also beat some good teams. Um, and then they, you know, they pounded uh, Duke in the last game of the year. I mean, and, you know, they're they're good. And for them to handle a, a good Marquette team like they did and, uh, and then beat Baylor like they did, like, they don't get the pub, which they don't want the pub like uh, they're Cinderella. I mean, because, once again, it's North Carolina. But when you look at that matchup, you got an eight seed, but it's North Carolina, and they played like, I mean – and I don't think anybody looked at them in, in any of their games like, oh, yeah, there's no, they look like North Carolina. And it's amazing. And it's a year after replacing a legendary coach. And uh, it's amazing. For me, Hubert Davis is, you know, a form player, but uh, an assistant on staff and um, moves up to the, the head seat. And now he's in the Sweet 16. You know, and do they celebrate six, sweet sweet six 16s at North Carolina? Probably not that much, but they're pretty excited right now. So um, that I thought that I think that's a pretty uh, amazing story on how they've improved this year and um, got to where they are. And they have they have the, some of the best players in the country. So, but it's I think that's a I think that's a pretty cool story too.
0: I agree. I'll give you one that's a little more negative in terms of a team that disappointed me. And that would be the Wisconsin Badgers losing in Milwaukee. That felt like a home game. I was watching that yesterday against Iowa State. And, you know, Iowa State's a tough team. They're a very good Big 12 team. And they had to beat LSU to get to that round. But I had such high hopes for the Badgers this year. They're always a team that plays well and now they had they had the type of player in Johnny Davis who could give you 37 35 on any given night i thought they were going to be a final four team and that was the that was the game that made me throw my bracket in the trash yesterday
1: well you know iowa state's pretty close to wisconsin too so and iowa state yeah, started the true. year off until they until iowa state played a game in the big 12 they hadn't lost and the big 12 is so tough that they end up being an eleven seed, so and, and they beat a good LSU team, even though they didn't have a coach. And so, uh, and then if you watch Wisconsin throughout the year, you know they had those huge games where they they beat some really good teams. They beat you know you know hit those last second buzzer beaters against I think Purdue, uh, bank shots and all that. Um, but then they, you know so and they were good. Wisconsin's really good, but them losing to Iowa State, I don't think that says that they Wisconsin didn't you know. I think that just says that there's a lot of good teams in college basketball. Oh, but totally. For, for they were just you, if if yeah. if you were banking on Wisconsin to be in the final four uh, <laughs> in your bracket, um, I think you're probably thinking they'd had to beat Auburn too, and and Auburn's you know uh, Miami, who is you know once again the ACC. I figure, wait, you know what? The ACC is not bad. Um, they got Duke, North Carolina, um, Miami, I mean, I don't know if there's any other ACC. I don't think there is, but you know. Miami's a 10 seed, um, and they were really good, you know. uh, I thought, like, uh, you know, Wake Forest was a team that's really good. Virginia Tech was really good. Um, But their non-conference, they didn't blow their teams out as much because they didn't have that many non-conference games, and and that's kind of how the net works now is how how bad can you beat a bad, you know, a lower-level team. Um, So – uh, but no, I can, I can see how Wisconsin, but Wisconsin never is a team that blows you out. So the games are going to be close. Yeah, that's true. They got to win it was those dangerous. Close ones. It, was,
0: yeah. it was dangerous. And then Chuck, I think
1: Pepper got injured. And so that, that hurt him. Um, hurt him a lot. So, um, and, and Johnny has to do a lot for him, but they, they're a good team. Um, so I was glad for their success this year.
0: <laughs> Coach, do you have to run soon? It looked like someone was giving you a wave or something. A little bit. Yeah. We probably got
1: a few more minutes, but
0: a few um, more minutes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I want to give you some Valpo questions, but before that, is there any other tournament stuff you want to touch on? Or what are you looking for in the Sweet Sixteen?
1: I'm I'm just excited to see the teams compete and the passion and 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 the excitement and it is an amazing time. It's so much fun. I love. That's why you should watch. Uh, you know when you when you see how someone acts for the tournament. I, you know I, you know Mike Bray is like this is fun. Let's go have some fun. You know, and and let's not confuse Mike Bray with not being competitive. He's extremely intelligent. He works his tail off. He's, he's competitive as they get. Um, But I think his idea that this is the funnest and best tournament out there, let's all enjoy it. And I I think that's helped me in, in recent years that, you know, sometimes I'd just be so onto the next thing. I got to do everything to get back into the tournament, which I do. Um, But it doesn't mean I can't enjoy the current tournament. So, um, I'm looking forward to just enjoying it and seeing the teams compete. Um, you know, I don't have anybody in the, you know, other than Coach Powell really, but uh, knowing that <laughs> work for that's it, still in it. So, um, uh, you know, I'm I'm just excited to watch the games.
0: All right, awesome. Well, Coach, let's chat a little bit about Valpo basketball. Uh, this was a rough season, I know, because the expectations, the hopes were very high. The fans were very excited and. You know, season didn't end up going the way that a lot of us had hoped for last couple of years. There's been this covid factor in terms of really a lot of And it seems now that we're finally moving past that. Um, but that had been a huge thing. And then you open up this whole transfer portal with so many. You talked about there are basically more players than there are spots on teams. Um, mm-hmm. How are you feeling about how how did you feel about how things went this past year?
1: You know, um, as a competitor, you want to, you want to always win. You want I want to be in the sweet 16 right now. Um, I do believe we had a lot of guys that fought and clawed and did everything they could. Um, and then we had a lot of injuries that, that hurt us a lot, but, you know, that's part of college athletics. And, you know, you know, it, sometimes it's, luck. Sometimes it's, um, just the right pieces coming together. And when you're building teams from year to year, it's, it makes it a little bit more difficult. Do we want to build a team from year to year? Not at all, but that's kind of the reality of the, of the, of, of where we are right now. Um, you know, just two years ago, we were in the championship game in the Missouri Valley. We had a lot of guys we were excited about the future. We had guys coming back and we we'd lost some, we were losing some really good seniors, um, off that team, but, we we were really excited about the young guys coming back and then COVID hit it, it, it for us and everybody at a terrible time. There's not a good time for that to hit, I guess. Um and that caused, you know, probably we had one of our, you know, one of our most dynamic players we've ever had, uh, transfer, who we still have a great relationship with. That's it's not like he's mad at us. It's just that's what when COVID hit it 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 um it hit his family and um he thought it was best for him to to transfer and you know we didn't like it but we still support him we wanted all the best of him and uh and so that and he was a dynamic piece and then the next year where the games were just not it was just different I mean it was just you know you couldn't build and then you know our you know one of our best players a couple of our players had quarantined for a hundred games you know so that was that was difficult but these aren't excuses these are realities of what happened and in life, you have those realities um, that and, you know, you've know you dealt with in your life um, that you just have to keep getting up. And it might take a year or two or three, but you just keep getting up and you keep um, getting after it. And, you know, ideally, you'd want all your best players to be healthy and move forward and, and get the best recruits and all the guys you want to get after it and all of them to gel and be perfect. And then you make those magical runs when some of those things happen. Not all of them, but some of them. But adversity is what makes – everything go Um, and it's exciting to fight through it um, because there's always something at the end of the tunnel. And at Valpo, I think that's the Valpo way. Um, You know, we, we're here to help each other. We're here to to bond together. We, we don't, we're not in this for quick results all the time. We're in this for results over a course of time and friendships and bonds. And um, so this year was tough because I thought we had a group that could do it. um, If we, but, you know, we had very key pieces uh, get injured at the at, at different times and just, it was hard to gel, but then we had some big wins. I mean, we beat, you know, we beat a Northern Iowa team that one league. Um, we had some good non-conference wins. Uh, I thought we were playing our best basketball in, in the tournament, even though we were missing two guys, three guys that we thought were going to be in the rotation. Um, and so, um, you know, just trying to, to improve every day and represent the university well is, is something we're trying to do. And, um, and so I, in that aspect, I thought the guys were, I thought they did a good job. Um, you know, the Valley is really, really good. Um, and we need to be really, really good. So we compete in the Valley and um, you know, the team that we, now we didn't have much success with them, but a team that beat us in the two years ago is Bradley. And, you know they they won set they went 17 and 15 this year, I think. Um, so in those 16 games that we that we played to one possession games, they won three more than we did. So they probably were one possession better in three games, and they're 17 and 14, and you know, we're 14 and 18, or whatever the deal is. So it, that's how close it is. Um, and everything counts, you know, how where does the guys take care of themselves, how how much support they get from their teachers. All that, all that goes into effect of you know one or two possessions a game, you know, um, and so I think we we became a better program this year, and excited to just keep moving forward in that direction, um, and uh, excited for the challenges ahead. Excited for the got a new mascot name and um, <laughs> trying to roll with it and. and, and be,
0: the, That's a great uh, uh, slogan a right there. The Valparaiso Beacons trying to roll with it. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I actually,
1: you know, I actually love the the, the name uh, to be honest with you. And it fits Valpo in so many ways and um, you know, when I hear, you know, um, you know, on Sunday, if you listen, to, listen to sermons on Sunday, you probably never notice the name the, the word beacon pop up as many times as it does. <laughs> but if, if now that it's true, we are yeah. the Bible Beacons, you'll just think about a, a your your the the preacher or the priest or whoever's preaching to you on Sundays. Beacon will pop up more in those conversations than than you'd ever think. And to think about the school we are, it's it's pretty cool. So um, I don't I don't I'm not yeah you know, it's just the reality of it. Um, and I'm I'm excited for the future of the Beacons.
0: Now, Coach Gore, I I know you got to run here in a in a short couple minutes, but obviously it's no secret there are a lot of fans who've been a little impatient and frustrated where how the how the team has performed over the last couple of years. I want to give you a chance to give a direct message to the fans. You know I, that's that's part of being a
1: fan. It, have your opinion and 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 love it. And uh, you know I. I will say this is um, the school, um, the coaches, the players um, are working every day to get after it. And we'll continue to do that. Um, You know, we, we need to do things that to be better in a lot of areas to support our guys, support our team, recruit, support our recruiting um, and do all those things or, you know, support our game day atmosphere and do all those things. But, you know, um, we got to get after it. And we're in a very, very tough league that we signed up for. It's not like we died. Like, we didn't get put in this league. We signed up to yeah. be in the Valley. And um, when you move leagues and you move up drastically, once again, you know, Larela was a 10 seed. Um, and this is no – right State was in the playing game, if, if that – you know, we had. Yeah. And five, for
0: those who don't know, know, Wright State was in the, they're in the Horizon yeah. League. Wright
1: State is really good. I mean, they are really good. Um, and they, in our last year um, with with Bryce, I think they beat us twice that year. Um, we ended up beating them in the tournament, but in the non conference, I think they, so Wright State is really good. I mean, I'm not, this is no slide at Wright State or anybody in the Horizon League. It's just the reality of the, and the Missouri Valley had, you know, five top 100 teams. Um, i don't think the right uh horizon league had any so for us to be consistently at the top we have to get in the top 100 we got to be up there and uh and get after it and we're excited for those challenges we're excited to get after every year um you know positivity and getting after it is something we do and um it's a great battle so let's let's be excited for the like the teams that we get to play now at you know evansville team that we've beaten like once in the last 70, 80 years, you know, we beat them three times this year. Uh, are we excited when Evansville comes to, to Valpa to play? You know, I would say, you know what we should be because in years past, we never got Evansville at home, you know, uh, for the recent past, A long, they were one of our biggest rivals, Indiana state, same thing, you know, so we have all these great teams that come in our place and in, in, in the conference season. And, um, it's exciting and it's, it's an exciting challenge. And, um, Jackie you know a lot about me and my life, and challenges is something I love. So um, I'm excited to get after it. I know the staff is, and and that that's where we're at. And, you know, as fans, fans are – you're supposed to have your opinions. You're supposed to know the right play to call after we call the wrong play every time <laughs> or, you know, why they not run zone defense more when, you know, we've we've watched a lot of film of them attacking zones, and we know that they're pretty good at it. But you know that's that. You know when I'm a fan of these games, I, I don't know what goes into the scouting reports and all that. I don't know what's going on when I watch the White Sox play. I just want them to win. Maybe I should, <laughs> the pitcher should. Maybe, why didn't we sub so and so or pinch hit? I, but I don't have all the info. But it's I'm a fan of those situations, and I'm it's my opinion to be a fan. So be a fan. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and uh, be a supporter too. If you want to make a huge change, you know, support. You know. Uh, not just on Twitter support, you know, at your bank account, you know, see what you can do with that. Um, and then, and then we'll see where we can go. So, but no, I, I have no problem with fans having their opinion. And you know what, if you think fans second day, guess what we do, be in the office until whatever hour we leave after a one point loss, when really all it counted was there was one turnover that went our way that against us. And if it went the other way, We'd have won and we'd been excited and everybody would have be been excited. Oh, what a great job. But it, it went the other way and we lost by one instead of one by one. And um, and that's the you build daily habits to be great at life, uh, to win those one point games. And so that's what we try to do every day is build those daily habits so we can be more successful by one or two possessions. Um, if it as a stat, if we'd have caused our opponents to miss one less three a game, just one a game. We would, we would have been like in the top, I think, top 15 three-point field goal percentage. If we had them miss two more, uh, two-pointers, just two more in a game, and one more three, we would have been a top 20 defensive team in the country. And then if we turned them over one more time a game, we would have been top five in the country. So I'm talking about four possessions in a game. And we would have changed those four possessions in a game from makes to misses and to a turnover. So that's how close it is to being successful. And sometimes that's having one more player that can go or one less injury or being better at at building those daily habits Um, on the offensive end. So you don't turn it over Um, or on the defensive end. So you get that turnover. So we're working every day on making those daily habits, bringing in the players that are right for this university and this community and, and love it. And as fans, you know, have your opinion, get out, you know, have your opinion and come watch us in road venues and home venues and, and cheer and yell and do all those things. And, and every day we're, we're hoping that, you know, and we're, we're working. So we play on this this next weekend so everybody can show up to those games and be excited to watch us in the Sweet 16.
0: Yeah, and I'll, I'll add on to that. I can attest to what he's talking about because I try to get to a couple, two, three Valpo games each year. Uh, that's been the case for the last few years. Um, and. Whenever the team, it's it's a lot more fun to visit when the team wins than when the team loses by two. When I come in and they lose by two, Coach Lottick, Coach Gore, oh, get, get, quick hug, Jack. It's great to see you, but uh, I'm sorry, we got it. We got to take care of business right now. This is this is important. We just lost a tight game that we should have won, um, and we need to close out better. And these guys are working so hard to get there. And I really feel, I feel like we're really close. I say we as a proud Valpo alum. And a uh, guy who likes to come out to a lot of games, part of the Valpo basketball family. I think we're so close. Last year was, like you said, so many games, like even like a, a game like Toledo. That was the opener. Very well could have beaten Toledo. Toledo was a great team this year. They won 26, mm. 27 games, um, ended up not winning the MAC. But, you know, we're very close. Be patient, guys. Uh, I really think that this is a special group. These guys are a close group. I got to go to that uh, team outing, the White Sox game with you guys last summer. A lot of fun. And these new guys who came in, some outstanding gentlemen, some really great guys. So, uh, you know, Thomas I, and uh, Kobe and, of course, Joe Headstrom, who's been, you know, a guy who loves to try to get people to go to church. And um, it's, a, it's a really great group. Kevian. Kevion. So I'm excited for what happens next, um, and I definitely hope uh, I may be able to catch another Sox game with you guys this summer. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great,
1: Jack. And, you know, I always feel bad that after losses we don't spend as much time because it it shouldn't. You know, one possession shouldn't matter how much time you spend with somebody. But I know you understand, and oh, I and I, already, it, always, I You know, but I, I'm like that with everybody. In the moment, I'm, you know, it's all about you know how to get better and everything. Even after wins, I'm like that, and it's. I always feel like I need to, you know, I need to slow down a little bit and 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 value uh, uh, value for friendships, which I do, but value you know show the value of so I appreciate you and I love when you come to games.
0: All right, uh, coach. Last thing I got for you. Well, actually, yeah, a couple quick things. One more, okay. one f- quick thing. How many wins for the White Sox this year?
1: You know, uh, we'll see how the pitching holds up. Um, this is where me come as a fan. I really don't know but I'm very hopeful. And if I'm your fan, I'm as lawyer as they come and I'm as hopeful as you come too. So I don't, I don't flip flop teams. Uh, obviously. I mean, um, and uh, so I'm going to go with 90, 96. 96. Are they playing all of them?
0: Huh? Does 96 win the AL Central? Yeah, I think they're winning the
1: AL Central. Um, if Luis Roberts healthy the whole time. And, and if, uh, if Harrison can and be consistent at second base and I, I could, you know, I, you know, the White Sox one team, I can ride off everything. And I think, I think, uh, you know, we have, you know, our pitching staff like Dallas is going to come back. I mean, he's going to be better, you know, and um, it, it really relies on the two young guys that are finally it's there's, there's time to step up and be in the rotation. Um, and that's where I think consistency of how good we can be comes up to that. Um how good are those young guys getting thrown in the starting lineup as starting pitchers? And, um, cause I think we'll have, if we stay healthy, um, a little healthier than we were last year, we're going to, we're going to put some runs on the board. Um, so, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I saw a picture of a couple of the pitchers, and they look, um, even, uh, our ace, uh, Lance Lynn, he looked like he in a little better shape. Um, than he was, uh, but maybe not. He he always says the the bigger he is, the better he pitches. So I don't, I don't know what that. I mean, he was amazing last year, except for that playoff game. He was great. So, uh, but no, I I, I think ninety five plus win the Central and then and go to the playoffs. Hopefully, our pitching is where it needs to be, and we can make a run. I got to take my son to last year's playoff game that they won. One of the greatest experiences for a dad that I could ever have. We sat in the highest seats out there and had to park a mile and a half from the stadium and walk through the middle of the night to get to our, our vehicle. Uh, but it was, and and I told him, we spent enough on the tickets. We can't buy anything else in the stadium. And so, um, but it was, boy, it was awesome. So um, hopefully there's more experiences like that.
0: All right, last thing. So uh, two months ago, for those who don't know, I was out in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, I was able to go visit, coach bryce drew at his practice with grand canyon and i wore a tcu shirt in and he's like i'm gonna get you a gcu shirt he comes back with two gcu shirts i was at disney world earlier last week and i really wanted to rep valpo and i realized that my valpo gear that i have is just it's worn down it's old when are you gonna hook me up with some valpo gear coach
1: that's easy jack i'll send it to you today (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's no problem. Man. Uh, Jack's a big fan of the program. But usually it's it's when you show up, and that's when I'll take care of you. So when you do show up. So okay. um, if I didn't take care of you last time you showed up because I was not in a good enough move after a close loss, then I feel bad for that, and I should have. And so uh, next outing you go, you'll be wearing some Valpo stuff.
0: All right, great. Yeah, last time it was like, I mean, we won. We won that game. It was OT. I can't remember if that was the Illinois State game or there's another game I went to. But we won, and you were you were in a good mood. And we watched the end of the GCU game on your phone, and then you were like, "I was like, you got a Gatorade, and you're like, BioSteel. This is the future. This is the new Gatorade. It's healthy." And you just hooked oh, yeah, me up dude. with like four bottles of Bottle Steel or BioSteel. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so stuff. I got you with the fluids. I just didn't get you with the, some gear. So man.
0: Yeah, I hadn't asked had for the gear, before, so. I tell
1: my son, you gotta be, you know, instead of all this uh you gotta be grateful for what you get. And man, <laughs> actually just asking for more and more a little <laughs> gratitude would be nice. No, it, um I do think it's really good bio steel, but um no, it's good stuff, man.
0: All right. Well, coach, thank you so much for your time today. Always a treat talking with you. Appreciate you and uh, your friendship and mentorship. And uh, let's let's go out there. Let's have a great 2022, 2023. Um, anything else you want to add or plug uh, f- before we say goodbye for now?
1: No, man. You just keep doing what you're doing and everybody support Jack and everything he's doing. He's He's really good at what he does. And I, I look forward to seeing your future and how you do and uh, whatever holds for you in your future.
0: All right. Thank you so much, coach. All right, Jack. Take care, buddy. That does it for today's episode of the Jack Vita show. Make sure you guys all subscribe on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Log on to my website, jackvita.com for more content. We'll be back uh, with more college basketball content over the next couple of weeks. And we're also going to be getting our MLB preview podcast stuff out there very soon as well. Until next time, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters.